so here we are, Easter Sunday. I'm sure a, a few of you have been here before. Uh, you know what it's about. It's about him. Because that's what you've always learned that it's about. It's about what the Christ did for you and I. So we were beneficiaries of what happened on Calvary. And we also became beneficiaries of what happened at the tomb. Whatever happened to him and happened through him will happen to us because we will inherit the gift that he demonstrated and that is eternal life. This is an important time of the year for people who have lost loved ones that were believers and now the promise is the dead in Christ shall rise first. I thought for a moment I'd do a little survey this morning, right now, just like I did earlier this morning, because this is important. It's going to help the context of my message as well. So, how many people, somebody say how many, have attended at least 10 Easter Sunday morning services? Raise your hand. How many people have attended at least in their life 20 Easter Sunday morning services. Raise your hand. Raise them high, please. How many people have attended at least 30 Easter Sunday morning services? Raise your hand. How many people have attended at least 35 Easter Sunday morning services? Raise your hand. All right, let's just jump to the big one. How many people have attended at least 50 Easter Sunday morning services? Stand to your feet. 50 Easter Sunday morning services. Stand to your feet. Bless you. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. So everyone pretty much understands what this thing is about. So let me kind of come at it a different way this Easter Sunday morning service since you already really know what this is about. Suppose that I was to tell you that when he died on that cross, one of the most important titles that Jesus took on in that moment, in that period of time, during that, during that hour, those hours, was Jesus the sinner. Your first question is, well, how could a man who was a sinner, die for me. It's easy. The Bible says he took on your sins for just long enough. He was Jesus the sinner. Let me ask you a question. 
would you be willing to trade places with him? In the book of John, the 12th chapter, that's what he asked you to do. He said, follow me. He says, emulate me. Even Paul said, emulate me as I emulate the Christ. Now, I'm not asking you to go to Jerusalem and get crucified. You can get crucified right here. You can get crucified in the church. You can get crucified on your job. You can get crucified in your family. It does not matter where you go through the sufferings of Christ. It's not about place. It's about person. Let's look at a scripture here that I think um, might encourage you in the Easter context a little differently this morning. I'm looking at 2 Kings, the 7th chapter. I want to thank and praise God for the awesome praise and worship team and the, the ministers of music this morning. Didn't they sound great? To our media team, we thank and praise God for you in the house this morning. 2 Kings, the 7th chapter, and the 3rd verse. If you have it, say amen. Let's all stand for the reading of God's word. Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why sit here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there, and we will die. And if we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Amorans and surrender, Armenians and, and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, we die. At dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Armenians. When they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there, for the Lord had caused the Armenians to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. So they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittites, the Egyptian kings, to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dust and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp, entered one of the tents, and ate and drank. Then they took silver, gold, clothes, and went off and hid them. They returned and, and, and entered another tent and took some things from it and hid them also. Then they said to each other, what were we doing? What? were we doing is not right. What we are doing is not right. This is a day of good news, and we are keeping it to ourselves. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and hearing of his holy word. You may be seated. I want to come from a theme this morning, breaking news, breaking news. Now, I know many of you have news feeds on your smartphones or uh, you use other devices to find out what's going on on your Facebook page, your Twitter page, and 
other things like that, the social media uh, uh, explosion, I'd like to call it. But nevertheless, there's always a category there, seemingly, that comes out from the major news houses called breaking news. Amen? Any of y'all know what I'm talking about? It's always something about breaking news. Matter of fact, there is no such thing as ordinary news anymore. All news is breaking. All news is so, is so awesome these days that there's no such thing as ordinary news. It's all breaking news. I would like to argue that on this Easter Sunday morning reflection, that there was also breaking news after the Calvary experience. I don't know what the breaking news blurb would Ed, if you would have read it, but it might have read something like this. Eyewitnesses declare that the Nazarene is no longer buried in his tomb. It might have read something along the lines of Jesus is missing in action. It might have read something like, we have lost the body. Do you know where he is? We might have saw something like a small picture of him says, if you see this man, call 1111111. Breaking news. The tomb is empty. And Christ is missing. He's not there. I think for the most part, all of us sitting here, when we hear this Easter message, we think about the fact that there is a quest for life. We are all in a quest for life. We are in a run for life. But the question really is, is what kind of life are you trying to run? And where is that life taking you? Christ was in a quest for life. He gave up his spiritual office as the second person in the Godhead. He was given a body of a human to come down. And yet at the same time, he gave up a life to give life. Maybe that's the first lesson that we should learn. Maybe one of the key quests of life that we should have is that our life is about giving life so that others might have life. Your life cannot be just about you if you truly have become a born-again believer. Matter of fact, it's not even your life anymore. It's his life. In him, we live, breathe, and have our being, the book of Acts says. Your life is no longer your life. It's, it, it's, it's his life. It's his life. As a matter of fact, think about your blessings for a moment. How many people in here got blessed this year? How many people got blessed last year? Keep your hands up if you're there. Got blessed the year before. Keep your hands up. How many people expect to get blessed next year? Keep your hands up if you're there. 
How many people expect to get blessed over the next 10 years by an almighty God? Keep your hands up if you're there. You may put them down. How many of, those, how many of you who raise your hands realize that those blessings are not about you? Raise your hand if you believe that. Do you think your blessings are really about you? God is glorifying you in your blessings. He's glorifying you. That's why Jabez prayed, prayed a prayer. He said, Lord, he says, I want you to bless me, but I want you to bless me indeed. That word indeed meant so much. In other words, you just don't want to be blessed. I don't want to just be blessed. I want to be and I want you to be so blessed so mightily. No matter who you are, where you from, where you were born, I want you to see, I want God to, to bless you so mightily that people say, you know what? Only God could have done that in their life. The quest for life. Okay, I'm not going to be too long this morning. And the reason for it is, it's Easter. It's Easter. It's, if, if you ain't got this thing by now, you, you just have to take in some more Bible studies. It's Easter. So we all know what this is about. So this particular text that I read is rather interesting because most pastors would not bring it into the Easter message context. It's about four men sitting at the gates of Jerusalem. And there's a famine back in Jerusalem. And it's nasty because back there, people are beginning to eat people. It's a bad famine. The city was shut down uh, by a, a army that had seized the, the surrounding territories. And so they were starving Jerusalem. That's the context that we find ourselves in on this, on this scripture this morning. So these four guys, they have a conversation. Now, let me tell you one thing I believe that can ruin your Easter experience after you leave this place and go on to next Easter. It's not the prayer you pray. It's not the prayers that you praise or pray. It's not the worship that you, that you, that you use to praise God. It's, it, 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 it's, it's, it's not where, it's not where you go and eat. It's not where you live. It's not where you work. The only thing that can ruin your experience with the Easter phenomena is who you associate with. Let me talk to you about these four men. And I would like to say that, forget the fact that they're called men, let's just say they're personalities. Whether it's a man, it doesn't matter. If it's a woman, it doesn't matter. Let's just call them four personalities that we see here. If you're going to get the reality and the essence of the Easter message in your life, and that is, you are a resurrected child of God. And by being a resurrected child of God, death cannot overtake you. By being a resurrected child of God, turmoil and trials in your life cannot overtake you. There's no river, no turmoil that can drown you. There's no water that you cannot walk over. And there's no sea that you cannot open up in the power of God. If you are a resurrected, born again child of God, the world is in trouble. 
We see here that there are four personalities. And let me tell you something about these personalities at the outset. You need each one of them in your life. Each one of these personalities you need in your life. Can I walk through them? Can I preach here? The first personality talked about where we have been and what will happen if we go back there. You always need people who know where we come from. Never get rid of your enemies. Bible says, don't get rid of yourself. Pray for you. You always need people in your life that know what you've come through. The challenges you've had. You even need people in your life who knew you before you knew God. Hello, somebody. Go to your family. There's somebody there that knew you before you knew God. Jesus had some folk back home in Bethlehem that knew him before he became the savior. They said, no, wait a minute. This is Joseph's son. What y'all talking about? He from the up high, born son of God. Are you kidding? This is Joseph's boy. He fixed the leg on my table two years ago. You always need people who know where you come from. The second guy, he said, well, if we stay where we are, we surely going to die. You always need people in your life that know where you are. I, I'm not talking about a pretend person. I'm talking about somebody who knows so powerfully where you are that they know how to pray for you. They know where you are. Doesn't matter if they don't know where you have come from. What matters most is that they know where you are. No man in here who's married should have a wife that doesn't know where they are. Hello, somebody. And vice versa. Can I go to the third one? The third one and the fourth one, they kind of split. They kind of hit a crossroad. Because they both said, let's leave where we are. But one said, let's leave where we are and die. The other one said, let's leave where we are and live. So the first one, he looked at it from the standpoint of reality. Amen. It's, it's, you got to look at it from the standpoint of reality. Sometimes life requires that you use the wisdom that God gave you and looked at it from the standpoint of reality. For example, and I say this in every church because I can because I'm a bishop, so I say this in every church. The mother and the father of this church, they also put a lot of their own resources into taking care of you. You'd be surprised how much resources that you give them that they put back. You don't have to say, man, I know I'm right about it. But the reality of it is, let me tell you the reality. They don't leave here after Sunday services and go to heaven and come back Saturday evening. They here all week long. They got to eat just like you. They got transport costs just like you. 
They got a refrigerator just like you. Hallelujah. They got a water obligation just like you. They pay sewage. I don't know if y'all pay sewage in, in Kenya, but if you do, they got to send you sewage bill too. Amen. Everything you do as a human being that requires that you exist in this life, reality, they also do. The last one. This person is so essential because the last three were about self. The last one that personality was about faith. You always need a person in your life that has a faith that exceeds yours. You must always have a person in your life whose faith in you, whose faith about your circumstances is greater or bigger than what you see. One of the great age questions of all ages is Peter said, Lord, I'll never leave you. He wasn't at the cross. James and John said, Lord, we've seen your real image here on Mount Hermon. Should we build a tabernacle here for you? James and John were not at Calvary's cross. Judas, the treasurer, the CFO, the chief financial officer, well, we know where he was. He wasn't there. And the other eight, seven, were not there either. People who had spent quality time with Christ. His brothers who knew where he came from, James, was not there. You know who was there? The first one to arrive at the tomb was Mary Magdalene. A woman whom he had cast seven demons from. So what I'm saying to you is that sometimes in your purpose, sometimes in your journey, because Jesus here did not in, uh, uh, incur a horrible death and just a resurrection, he incurred a journey. This was a journey for him. He is still on that journey because he promised to come back. His journey has not ended because he said that we will sit with him as co-judges and judge the damn. He, his journey is not over. Mary Magdalene was there. His work in her, his faith in her is what followed him. Sometimes I'm reminded, we see it in the church, community, family. Sometimes you might get hospitalized or maybe at some occasion you might get hospitalized or go through something or your family goes through something and you really don't like deacon so-and-so. You really can't stand this guy. And you expect everybody from the church to show up. 
except the pastor. You expect him to be there. But the only person that's going to show up when you done buried your relative, the only one that shows up at the midnight prayer vigil for a family member or somebody who's going through sickness is that deacon that you can't stand. Sometimes we must value the importance of having people at all personality levels in our life. We cannot just be people that associate with born-again believers. If the world is truly going to be saved by the power of Christ, we must get outside of these doors. We must impact our community. And here is practice. Out there is the real routine. We must impact our communities. We cannot... We cannot ever be a born-again church and talk about we have a bad government. We put people in office in government. When the Bible says that God places those in office, he not only does it from a spiritual realm, but he also does it from a political realm. We must across the globe, America, Asia, Africa, we must across the globe enforce leadership. We must, we must pray for leadership. We must vote for leadership. Leadership that is led by God. And not just the will of people. We must learn how to load shed as believers. On Calvary's cross, Jesus did not just shed his blood and what I mean by that is that he took the load of our sins and he put it on Calvary's cross with himself it was a sacrifice there not a crucifixion a crucifixion is for those that are punished but a sacrifice is for those that are being honored by the sacrifice it was a sacrifice there the thing that I like about this particular text as I bring home the Easter message this morning is that if you don't internalize Easter, and I say Easter, not because it's the word used for born-again believers. Our, our word is actually Passover because Christ was the Passover. Easter is for those people who come to church twice a year, Christmas and Easter, and on Easter guy, I got on a new suit. Those are the Easter gatherers. Hello, somebody. But the Christians and the born-again believers and the Passover persons. In our life, when the Bible says that we must embrace the fellowship of his sufferings. And, and the key word is fellowship. It doesn't say that we should suffer like Christ. It said we should marry, we should fellowship in his sufferings. In, in other words, you know, when you fellowship, when, when, you, when, I, when I fellowship with him, I'm not just shaking his hand, but I'm looking him in the eye and I'm saying, hey, Richard, good to see you. You know, I give him a hug. Amen. Hey, how you been doing, my brother? You know, it's a, it's, it's fellowship. Fellowship is a spiritual connection. 
If I say, Richard, I'm going to suffer with you because we got this fellowship together. Whatever you're going through, I'm going through. And, and the Bible says here that if you were the Christ and I'm just a believer, that the sufferings that you went through for me, I need to embrace them. I need to find them. I need to hug them. I need to look them in the eye and know that because of those sufferings, I'm going to feel his likeness. And when I feel his likeness, the world can't cause me to suffer. The world can only do to you what you allow the world to do. Calvary was not a punishment as much as it was a mindset. When Christ got his mind right about Calvary, he said, Father, if it be your will, I'm with this thing. He had to get his mind right before his body was right. We often talk about his body. The scriptures talk about his body, but what about his mind? Whatever you go through in life, when you have your mind right in the kingdom, when you have your mind right in Christ, when you have your mind right through the Holy Ghost, nothing, nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing. The woman who came to the tomb first was a woman who said, they say he's buried there. It doesn't matter. I know what he's done for me. And if we follow this Christ, stick with me now. I'm going to close now. If we follow this Christ, if we follow this Christ, I want to tell you something. If you follow this Christ, people will meet the Christ in you before they meet Christ. And as long as they think you're Christ, it's okay. But you best not believe it. We're just a vessel. Just a vessel. But the reason sometimes our churches are not full, believers live in a world that is so chaotic, is because we have not released that Christ outside of this realm. I dare you, if one kernel falls to the ground, John says about Jesus, said Jesus noted, if one kernel falls to the ground, when it bursts forth, it will turn into many. Create that many. Be that one that creates many. We love crowds. You know we love crowds. When somebody asks you about an event, the first thing you say, it was a massive crowd there. We love crowds. But many of us have not learned to walk as one in Christ. Be that one. When your job, your family, your church, be that one. Be that one. Sometimes you might show up at your prayer meeting, you're the only one. Show up at a cell group meeting, and it's only you. My argument is that it's not wasted time because no one else is there. If you're there, there's already a crowd. It's the crowd you're representing that you haven't touched. Each one of you is determined to touch somebody's in your life by your life. 
impact that fellowship of God's suffering. Embrace that Easter message and say, it wasn't just him hanging there. It was me also. God bless you this morning. May heaven smile upon you and have a great Resurrection Sunday.